So traveling distances, right? Um, I got together with uh, a, a fellow by the name of Benjamin Harrison. You know Ben? Oh, yeah. I love Ben. Yeah, Ben's Ben's awesome. Oh, Ben's incredible. Um, like we we walked around um, Gig Harbor in this loop of like four or five um, different. Uh, it was just a loop, and we just like did laps around talking about analytics, soccer, and uh, that was it. Um, really, I, I think the the idea that we kind of came away with was the idea that how difficult defense was to really contextualize, and then you almost had to do it on a team by team basis. Mm, yes, I think that there's I think that's a generality, and I think when you try to contextualize things, you. you you know, you have I mean, at some point you're wanting to know how good is Steve Birnbaum versus, you know, Chad Marshall. Right. Right. Well, one thing that I think that's true to kind of one thing I found was when I was doing the shot limiting thing was the first part. I did generalities. The second part I did team by team. And then the third part, I kind of followed up and did a better team by team. And I think there are things to be found in each. So there are definitely things that you can call it or quantitatively say are good defensively. Keeping teams out of the final third reduces shots. Oh, yeah, I think, absolutely. I think that's something I was able to show. Holding the ball, for the most part, um, it's that correlation has gone down. I would like to look at it again for last year. For the most part, um, from 2011 to 2013, that was a good uh, indication of how, of how strong you were in terms of limiting shots. Which is interesting because Jared Young did a paper about that recently about uh, possession to something and about how like Emerson Jared Allen, like, the defender for uh, no 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 for Jared Fox. Young Jared Young and he did it for uh, he did it for brotherly game and it was and then it got a lot of like play from like Danny and uh, um, I think like um, Michael Cayley and uh, someone Page. else yeah Danny Page and then um, uh, mm-hmm. Some I forgot the big guy, one of the big guys in England. They were all having this big discussion about it, and then I jumped in. And I was just like, "Well, interesting." So I started adding my own data. I'm just like, "Well, interestingly enough, like a lot of these things are where Jared's saying that we're not quite there yet to the Premier League because possession isn't lining up to this, this, and this." I'm like, "Oh yeah, 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 I read that." Yeah. Well, the thing is that I pointed out, well, possession in the last two years has actually been an outlier in our data because. Possession of shots against, at least. because um, Oh, it was possession of shot deficit he was looking at. Well, I said, well, I looked at possession and shots against. And actually, the correlation to possession and shot deficit um, were very, um, very good for 2011, 2012, and 2013. And then 2014 and 2015, the league just decided that possession meant shit. And I, and I, have, and I gave different theories for that. I think that's because we have more playmakers now. So it used to be a league where creating lots of chances – was 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 basically the offense 
now there are teams that have good enough playmakers that they can create few chances, but good enough chances that it kind of makes it a wash. And I think that's the difference. But that's the only thing I can really think of for a theory. We're not recording yet, are we? Oh, yeah, we are. What? We, we, didn't, we never did a welcome to soccer analysis, uh, American... Uh, you know what? We're, you know what? That, that, that impedes us so much. Uh, I think that, like, half the stuff that we do is way more... Like, before we get started on all this stuff, I mean, it becomes way more interesting. Like, it, it's almost as if, like, once we get started, we kind of hit this, like... I don't know what it is, like, this mental block that we kind of have to fit ourselves into. Whatever. Let's just go. Okay, sure. Whatever. Hey, people. I guess I've been talking to you. <laughs> so yeah so ben harrison and i we went for that long walk one of the things that we talked about something that he did and i'm not sure if he actually published this or not uh but he did this uh, nice little thing on whether or not the sounders um whether their traveling distances really impeded their their performance um because you know what the sounders are one of the top traveling teams in all mls and I think that that's kind of an interesting study, especially when well, you. So is L.A. Sure, sure, absolutely. I think Vancouver has has everybody, uh, but that's neither here nor there. I think that it's kind of a it's a topical piece of interest, especially when it comes to American soccer in general, because everyone has to fly. There's all these details associated with you know travel in the states um, to keep things kind of. I guess fair, and, and I don't. Admittedly, I don't know all the rules, but it was kind of interesting that his, his, ultimately, his finding was he didn't really find anything of interest. He didn't find anything that correlated to results, and, and so, you know, segueing that into CCL, especially with with international travel, I wonder how much it really does play into. And maybe someone has some something that's been done internationally on on a Champions League, uh, on like the uh, UEFA Champions League and the travel. But I kind of wonder if sometimes travel isn't kind of and traveling sucks. Don't get me wrong. Like for I've been in the military. I've traveled a lot. Traveling sucks and trying to get your your body rhythm back up and going. But sometimes I wonder if we don't like make these. Uh, mental um, uh, exceptions for things such as, uh, you know, traveling for, for these players. Does it really change your style? Does it really lower your ability? Do you, do you, do you see what I'm going, where I'm going yeah. at, Sean? I think that would be a fair question to ask if this were gameplay by robots. Uh, but these are game played by people. So a lot of the mental hangups we have about traveling, they do too. And players will tell you this. Players hate traveling. Uh, players don't feel comfortable when they're on the road. There's a comfort level to being at home, being in your same facilities. Traveling also disrupts practice. Uh, you get like a day less practice. And I would think there's probably work on this because I know a lot of betting models take travel days into account. So... That I certainly would be interested. Um, do you know if, if uh, Ben looked at uh, if it was just the Sounders or other, yeah, it was just, or other it was Western just the Sounders. So it was a very limited. I mean, obviously, very limited. Uh, you know, look overall. So see, I would love to see that expand. Because I believe last year LA traveled the most. I think that was. I could be very wrong, but I believe I read that. LA was also notoriously terrible on the road last year, 
And LA is also extremely good at home. Teams usually don't do well in LA. And that's one thing I've often wondered. Is this kind of just because traveling to LA is hard and traveling away from LA is hard? Like, or is just LA just more comfortable at home? Like, what is it about? Yeah, I mean, LA is a good team. So trying to, to take away, so is LA just good at home or are they just good? Or They're also bad away, though. They're also unexpectedly. They had like a year and a half stretch where they didn't win a, a road game. Uh, from like 2014 to 2015, there was like a year and a half stretch where they did not win. But you have game. to divorce that idea from, okay, they didn't win a game, but they still pulled points or a point away on, on multiple occasions, right? They were drawing games. It's not as if right, they but weren't drawing games. Sure. So there's probably the, the multiple occasions that you could point to and say, hey, they should have won or should have pulled multiple points away from this occasion, right? Sure. That's why I, I'd be interested to look at a – and this is something we can easily do. Um, look at every team. Expand it from just the Sounders um, to see sure. how much it – because I've also – there are other factors. I've wanted to look at um, altitude with Colorado because Colorado – I, is I always, agree with you, and RSL as well. Is, is RSL – about the same altitude as uh, I don't think they're on the uh, same altitude, but I think they're I, I think they they are a step above what what you would expect, you know, obviously from anybody else on the western uh, west coast or anywhere else in the in the central slash east coast. Right, because Colorado prior to last year had a very they were one of the best shot limiting teams for like three years. Last year, they weren't that great at it. However, they did have, um, as Drew pointed out in his preview, a very good uh, goals against average. So defensively, Colorado is very good. And they play on a big field. They play on the biggest field allowed by FIFA in a club match. So we've, and, talked, about, we've talked about that before with Houston having playing on the smallest field, right? Houston, I don't think we have. I didn't know that about Houston, but go well, on. We, we've talked about it prior to you, to to you joining us. I, I know uh, Drew and I have discussed um, the idea of Dominic Kinnear and his bludgeoning tactics um, to having a smaller field and the fact that they they take on a more physical presence. So and that was I, Robertson we're talking about, not BBVA or what? BBVA. Correct. Whatever. Yeah, I, don't, I think BBVA is is still pretty narrow. I don't think it's as narrow as what it was, but right. it's so pretty the, narrow. Yeah, the most historically narrow fields in I do know in MLS history were I think Soldier Field, Robertson, uh, and uh, Spartan Stadium. Spartan Stadium was like ridiculously. Uh, but I mean that should change. And, and Yankee, that, Yankee Stadium now. That should absolutely change how you tactically align your your team, correct? Well, there was an Opta paper um, at the Opta forum. Um, uh, was it Danny's? I think it might have been Danny Page's. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was Danny Page. Danny Page did a whole thing on that stuff. Right, and, and one of the things is that he – one of uh, the slides – I have yet to read the full paper. I'm sorry, Danny. I will. Um, one we, of the slides, we still love you, Page. You <laughs> are still in our hearts. One of the slides was he came to the conclusion that New York City needed a different – road tactic or need different road tactics from home tactics because of the field size. Um, he also looked at turf. Um, uh, kind of, I think he kind of built on some of the stuff that Alex Filoshansky did um, showing that uh, turf leads to higher turnovers, um, which is very, very interesting um, in 
in just general terms because it's funny because a lot of the teams that play in turf kind of try to play this possession style, Portland, Seattle. Um, and it's just interesting that the idea that turf I don't think I don't I, I think I agree with you on Portland. I disagree with you on Seattle, but that's Seattle was the highest possession team last year. But do you think that that was by effort or just completely coincidential? I, I, that's impossible to answer. <laughs> that's I, 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 I think that it's more happenstance <laughs> than it really is a reflection of how they 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 attempted to play. Uh, sure. that, that's, that's just me. The, the what did you say? The, oh no, Dave Clark called it the the gates are down attack where you know they sort of that fast break hit hit the opponents where they're weak. Um, the enemy fast gates is down. Yeah, the enemy gates are down. Which, right. which is a reference to yeah what we'll, we'll game. yeah we'll move on. <laughs> we love you, Dave Clark. If you listen to us, we we do, and you and I we need to have drinks, dude, because I live like within 20 miles of you and it's unacceptable that we don't hang out or see each other. Sounders games are coming up. We need to sit down and talk. I already told you we should invite him to our fantasy league, but that's another topic. No, Um, I know. I know. I know you're going to rag on me and you're probably right. I will concede. You are probably right that I didn't halt all things, but you have to say that our fantasy league as is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think any fantasy league with me in it is awesome, but I agree. Oh, my gosh. All right, cut aside the <laughs> ego for a second and say the other eight people that are in the league with us, uh, you know, they really bring something to the, different to the table, and it's it's a lot of fun. I, I very much enjoy it. I think six of them do. I hate one of them. I'm just kidding. All right, let's let's get back on track away from our fantasy league. Um, so getting – Going back towards the idea of teams and fields and constructing your roster towards how you play, what what was kind of some of the thoughts that you're that you're kind of gunning towards uh, on the on the cusp of Danny Danny Page's article? Uh, I think you definitely should take fields into consideration. If you are playing on a turf, maybe you have to understand that you're going to turn the ball over more on your turf. Uh, smaller how did, field. You have how does that apply to CCL? I mean, because you only have really – all you have is uh, Seattle as the turf field. So you have CCL that you're going to be playing. Obviously, you're at, you, all the MLS teams get homes. You're going to have to go and play away. How does that change your tactics? I, think, I mean, I don't think tactics matter at this point with CCL. The, the main problem with CCL right now is that it is in February instead of March. And it's in February instead of March because March is when the playoffs or when they're starting to ramp up for the playoffs in League MX. And that's a, that would be a problem for League MX. Uh, this would all be avoided if MLS teams did well enough in the first round to not play Mexican teams. And well, that way they would get them. Let's, the let's, let's, let's do some blame, shi- blame shifting and this just say this what is it is. LA's, it's LA's fault. It is absolutely LA's fault. And today I was on a conference call. And, like, th- three or four times they blamed scheduling. And I was just like, I want to ask, be all like, but isn't ultimately this your fault for losing, in, like, for losing or for tying in Guatemala when all you had to do was win or lose? And I get, and it's cool that you went for the win and got a tie. But at a certain point, just like, when you, when it's 0-0 zero, zero, at a certain point, just kick a goal and you're, you know, it's not sporting, but, you know, it's it would get you farther in the tournament. Because they would have beaten D.C. or RSL or 
I mean, Seattle would have been a tougher game. I don't know who it would have been, but do that. I'd much rather that than Santos. And then it screwed over everyone. Now RSL, poor RSL has to go and play the best team in the in the hemisphere, in Tigris, um, with a four that's over a goal a game right now. Well, just, not, uh, not only that, but L.A. has Santos, Sounders have Club America, and D.C. United, our worst team, gets to play their worst team, which is kind of a – it's it's just what, really frustrating. What are you saying about Jonathan Bornstein? I'm saying that you can go ahead and – what? I think D.C.U. Exile called, like, called for <laughs> – and we won't use his, his actual name here because I know he, like, tries to, to, to provide a, a semblance of uh, – of anonymity, but you know, he called Bornstein, you know, for the head for the um he called him for a hat trick, I believe, the other day in, in our Slack chat. That and, was me. And, oh, was that you? <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I called for the Bornstein hat trick. Yeah. Well, this is what here's the thing. I started the Bornstein meme um uh ever since he started doing well down there, just because he was such a hated figure under Bob Bradley, and rightly so, it's kind of been fun to now that we're looking for left backs on the national team to be like, hey guys, you know, Beasley was a big op. Like Beasley renaissance his career in Mexico. Bornstein had a better career in Mexico and is having a better career in Mexico than Beasley did down there. Like, <laughs> it, so I kind of created it as a joke, but then it started making sense. Like Bornstein, um, like I, I lost my, uh, just lost my head when um, uh, they were in the, pl- uh, I believe that they were on the co- semifinals last year. And, um, you know, this was a team with Ronaldinho on it, right? And they were struggling. They needed a goal. And then Bornstein runs down the line and gets a goal. So I just started tweeting, like, four days hashtag Bornstein greater than Ronaldinho. And well, then I started – I mean, he's 31. It's not as – it's not outside the realm of possibilities that he comes in and could provide something for the for the U.S. men's national team. I mean, he, he probably isn't somebody that you want to look for, for for down the road. I mean, and Brandon Vincent was – I'm going to tell you right now. I thought Brandon Vincent was just electric in his short appearance, but I – thought, I thought Acosta was very good too. I think that it was a huge success at left back if we want to wind the clock back to those games. I think uh, aside from Lee Wynn finally getting the shit together, I think that was the biggest um, uh, aha moment of those friendlies. Certainly. Don't disagree with you. So, uh, but but getting back to the the Champions League and and what we have at at hand, we we can kind of say that it's probably – it's very important for these MLS clubs, whether it be DC United, whether it be Sounders, whether it be whoever else, they're going to need uh, at least a goal at home. More than that. Historically, two goals has not been enough at home. Uh, there have been multiple instances. Um, Houston, I believe, got went two goals up on Pachuca twice in the first leg um, and lost it in, in Pachuca. DC went two up on Club America Back in two, I forget which. Um, I think RSL had a two nothing. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they had a two advantage at one point. Went into, there have been multiple instances where two goals isn't enough, and this was before the away goal rule. So, honestly, if you don't get a three nothing goal, a three nothing result at home, you're really asking for it away. And there haven't been a lot of good performance by American teams in Mexico. We had Dallas pulled off a win. At one point, we had uh, the RSL Cruz Azul water polo game where 
it was like three nothing RSL at halftime, and then it ended five four with like three or four goals in the last fifteen minutes. That's still my favorite soccer game of all time. That was a really good performance. Then there was uh, Montreal in Azteca, which was a pretty legendary game. Other than that, you can't really point to really good games. Maybe Houston against Pachuco, even though it ended 5-2. Um, but that last goal was kind of really fluky. They were able to get two goals, which would have tied it because it was they had 2 nothing the first uh, leg. Other so, than that, you, you can't really point to, uh, I mean, just the environment down in Mexico is so overwhelming. Uh, I don't think it's the travel. I think it's all about environment. It's all about comfort, I, comfort level, and it's all about crowds, and to some degree, refereeing. And I, I, it's just such a hard environment to play in and win in, and I don't think MLS teams, and they don't have the, we don't have the quality. We're not at the... Well, there, there's certainly a depth issue, and I, and not only that, but you nailed it on the head earlier, talking about how this is still preseason. I mean, I don't think DC United or Sounders or even RSL have their 11, let alone you know LA Galaxy, who's, who's in the midst of turning over probably what's at least five different roster, uh, starting roster spots. You know what Bruce Arena said today in the midst of a conference call about an upcoming game, and uh, and they were trying to spin it. Yeah, I think we're where we all we'll see where we at fitness wise. They kept trying to spin it like they they were up and ready for this game. But then he dropped this one little quote, this great little nugget that I thought was very interesting. Completely on like the reporter did not ask about a time frame for when he thought the team would be like up to full stride. He just sort of dropped um, and said, two months from now, I think this team is where it needs to be." And I was just like, "Whoa." He just kind of, I think he just revealed what his goal is. I think Bruce Arena is looking at the first two months of the season as a jail period. And he wants the team to be up by two, you know, by that point, which is A, interesting, uh, because it kind of possibly speaks to the whole Bruce Arena doesn't care about the early season, um, meant like a common perception. But it also kind of brings us to the topic of how long it takes teams to jail. And I think there's been a lot of really good. Um, I think Kevin Minkus had a wrote a really good paper about that last year. Yes, last yeah. year. It's it's up, and I'll I'll make sure to link that within our uh, within our discussion uh, here. If you go out to uh, the actual American Soccer Analysis homepage and you go out to our podcast, I'll make sure to to actually provide a link to to the to the paper. Yeah, I don't remember what its conclusions were, but I mean, it it, it takes about it takes more than a few months to get a team ready and gelled so i thought that was an interesting quote because bruce didn't really it was completely unsolicited and bruce really isn't a very candid person but i think he's fully aware that four preseason games isn't going to get this team where he wants it to be well with that i mean it's it's kind of scary in the sense that now you're being thrust into into ccl and the reality is the la galaxy are the best team right now i mean not to play towards your home team and everything, but they are the best team. I mean, going forward, I, as much as you want to probably grimace towards that, you look at RSL who's playing the best team in, in Liga MX and probably in the continent. And then on top of that, you add to the fact that DC United are going against Bill, uh, without Bill Hamid Sounders are going without Oba Femi Martins, although they do have plenty oh. of assets 
um, to to try to help compensate that with uh, Nelson. We haven't Valdez, even talked about that, move. Jordan. No, we haven't. We 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 haven't been able to to mention that. So we'll we'll kind of put that off to for for a quick hot second, and then we'll come back to it. Right. Um, Right now, if you if you look at how they fared in this tournament, right now the Galaxy have 60 shots to um, Santos is 63, and, 60, and when preseason? No, during during this tournament. Oh, this is a different Galaxy team. Like that, that's the most like useless. This is a different Santos team, different Galaxy team. That's so. that's absolutely fair to fair to fair to say and if you look at the majority of when their goals came especially um it, they all came late uh the galaxy over the course of their their qualifying and group stage they scored five goals from 75 minute to the 90th minute um it, it's going to be really interesting to see how how much of a fight they're going to be able to provide santos and santos um has been a team that's been up and down over the last few mm-hmm. years but um this year I, too they had a great first month and terrible second month yeah so it's kind of a matter of what what which team do we get from santos and how quickly can this can the galaxy gel i mean just uh one week ago they gave up four goals in a really sloppy um really sloppy game that i don't think that you can really take productive analysis it was a water polo match as i said about yeah, the rsl the game against cruisers it was the same thing it was the ball would – you hit the ball as hard as you can. It would go like a couple feet and just land in water and stop. Yeah, it was ab- absolutely. It was just terrible. They, that field in, in L.A., just like all of L.A., if you ever are in L.A. and it rains, you need to go inside immediately because it's going to flood very soon because there's just no concept of drainage out here. Because rain doesn't happen, so why? Well, that's why would part it? of that's part of the like the soil and stuff. It's so hard and, and been hardened that it doesn't you know really receive that rain. Like it should, right? The way the way the soil in like in the northwest would really gladly, you know, receive it. Well, aren't there also drainage mechanisms in place that just aren't that kind of like um, I always oh sure absolutely like Atlanta when when it snows in Atlanta at all when I lived there everything was shut down because they don't have enough they don't have the infrastructure to go out and put down enough um, salt on the roads to get things working. Whereas in the northwest, like. Uh, the snowmageddon in Atlanta was just a couple inches and it like completely stopped Atlanta. People were like, <laughs> I was there. I was there for snowmageddon. It was fun. Yeah. But it was only a couple inches, right? It was not a big deal, but it stopped the city. LA is the same way with rain. Um, if you, it's like, it just floods immediately if it rains. Um, this is why El Nino, if you look at the rain totals in El Nino, it's not a lot of rain, but people freak out about it. There are accidents. Anytime it rains, like freeways just shut down. People don't understand it. They freak out. It's. The, I think that's what it. I think that's what happened. I think that's why, if it rains at all on step up center pitch, it becomes unplayable. Just unplayable. If you want to talk about pitch conditions and all that, there's one right there. How rain <laughs> affects a pitch because step up center, awful. Just awful when it rains. So. Going back to the Sounders, who played probably when you're listening to this either tonight or they played yesterday, uh, depending on when you're you're deciding to tune in. The Sounders going against Club America, they have 39 shots. Club America had 51 in the group stage. It's very apparent who dominated who. Um, 
You know, even even looking at the goals scored, I mean, Club America scored multiple times, three goals in the first 15 game or first 15 minutes. Excuse me. Um, so they're they're just a dominating team. They are they are a very, very good team. And I, I just don't see the Sounders um, outside of um, a complete miracle pulling anything off at this stage. I don't think there is dominate. Club America is a very, I think what we saw from them last year in the Champions League is very much indicative of Club America, which is they're so attack minded that they're either going to score five or they're going to give up four because they're just so, they don't adjust their tactics whatsoever. And I think that's going to be really fun to see like which Club America shows up because you have two very dominant home teams because they have two very dominant home atmospheres. We're talking about Azteca Stadium, legendary stadium. But then by its own right, when you want to look at like domineering places to play in America, CenturyLink has to be number one in terms of crowd size, right? Oh, I would, I would imagine, yeah. I think, um, I forget what. There was one time when the Sounders beat a team there a Mexican team there it was the one with Triore had that absolute right blast. yeah it was LT Grace yeah and I remember thinking this is the first time that MLS has actually or that I think an MLS team has actually been buoyed in the, in the home game by the crowd because I think the crowd really turned like the crowd really got behind well and see created this it, it really helped to have yeah it really helped to have Yedlin and Triore to score those Really impossible goals. I mean, that's yes, that's, that's yes. what that's what they were. They were impossible, just yes, low-driven goals. And, and there's nothing wrong with that because ultimately, so- soccer is a really luck-influenced game, and you have a lot of things that happen that um, you wouldn't necessarily always expect to happen, and you have to roll with those punches. And Club America, re- or excuse me, El Tigres, fielded uh, a really young, immature team that got overwhelmed very fast. And that was the the direct result was uh, the Sounders just being a little bit more mature. Eddie Johnson being able to take uh, advantage of uh, advantage of a couple openings, and and that's and that's really what it came down to. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, there have been instances where Mexican teams have absolutely done screwed up at uh, at home, but then when it comes to the opposite leg, they get like. When that happens, um, uh, the two I'm thinking of is Club America against Montreal. When Montreal went and got that big tie, huge tie at Azteca, it was just like, wow, they have a shot now. And then they get blown out in Montreal, just blown out. The other one was the RSL Monterey final. Um, when RSL went down there, got the the road goal they needed. Like all they need to do is get a re- yes. Yeah, all they need to do is get a result. It was just like, wow, RSL is going to do this. And then, nope. When it, like I think the cream ultimately rises in this tournament, and the bottom line is the MLS is not the cream yet, and it, it's just going to take an extraordinary amount of luck to get an MLS team there. And I don't even think we get to the final. When getting to the final generally means that you have a bracket where all the MLS, all the Mexican teams are on one side, and we could have had that. LA screwed it up. Whatever. Now for an MLS team to win this thing, they have to beat three Mexican teams. That's not going to happen. You're not going to do that. We can just put this to bed. I'm pretty sure we're going to – every single one of these MLS teams is going down the first round. 
maybe the galaxy. Uh, maybe the galaxy goes through. I think Seattle's got a better shot than you think they do. Um, I'm not. I'm not holding my breath. I'm. I'm still just angry at the galaxy for screwing over the entire league. So should we move on to the Obafemi Martin tray that we put on back burner because that is yeah that's kind of a huge one right holy, yeah <laughs> holy well shit. I mean let's let's replay it from my perspective who's the Sounders fan here um I went out to Vancouver for the weekend uh just to visit my father who uh who who's romantically uh attached to uh, a Canadian now God bless his soul um so go up there to visit him and you know his uh i guess for lack of better terms uh canada has the uh after you've been living together for two years they have the common law marriage so his uh his espoused oh. wife um through through lineage or uh, not lineage but rather uh time and everything um great people and wake up sunday morning and Oba's gone. Like my wife, my wife just like stood there at breakfast. Like I was like, Oba got transferred to Can- to China, and she just kind of like stood there, like mouth agape. First thing open, she's like, no more Oba flips, no more, no more. <laughs> no more. And, and it, it's really confounding uh, from my perspective. I thought we staved that off with, and I say staved off as if you know it was some some uh, attack and a defend um, situation with uh, Nelson Valdez. You know they they were very interested in Valdez earlier on in the transfer window, even up until I want to say about a month ago, there were still reports that he could possibly. Uh, transfer over to China and that that ended up not coming to fruition and you know you could say one way or another whether that's good or bad but ultimately now uh, they went after Obafemi Martins and Oba goes Seattle opens up a a DP spot and from several different Sounders fans I've seen reports of well that you know it could be a good thing it helps the Sounders out with I don't see it being a good thing in any way. I think Obafemi Martins was perhaps the best. Um, I don't know if there's a way to analytically prove it, but I, I think that he was he was the best player on the Sounders. Uh, he oh, I think just so. he I think so. He, I think he, 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 per, he like perpetually he perpetually be, beat his expected goals, and I don't think that. And you and I have talked about this, but perhaps on this podcast before, that it wasn't just about his. Um, about luck influence, but so it was much not is... luck at all. Yeah, it was definitely danger zone shooting. Yeah, um, I think we talked about this for the shots when I did my shots on goal rant. Yeah, and I that. don't know if it made it to podcast or not. Like we've had, we went through so many iterations of trying to record that podcast that I think we went through three or four failed recordings. So I don't know what what got out there to our listeners and what. I did... can give her a super shorthand. Yeah, shots it... shots on goal conversion, um, which is the amount of. Uh, the percentage of goals you get from your shots on target, um, there uh, there have only been oh, – he's the only player who has been able to have repeat seasons since 2011 above 50%. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's, it's uncanny. They're, they're, 38% it, is league average. He's yeah. beaten 53 times. It, it's, it's unprecedented, and he does it not just purely on his um, – 
he's it's not luck or he wouldn't have done it three times. Like exactly. Kyle Aaron was luck. Jossie Zardes was luck. Wondolowski in 2012 was luck, although he still had great. I don't know. I, I don't think it's fair to call Wondolowski so much luck, so much well, as it. Which was, is why I said it, it was influenced. He had great underlying numbers, though. There was Just like yes. CWP also had great underlying numbers, but also when you get great underlying numbers plus luck, you get magic season versus very great. Sure, absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that's absolutely fair to say. Like Zardes. I, he obviously had outside influences that helped propel him towards what he was doing, right? He also had luck. Like, Zardes was a classic example of a blip. I think Laren and Zardes were both – we're going to look back and say, whoa, even though I think Laren's better. We're going to go, wow. I think, I think How did we ever think wait that these Laren, guys would because, that? And, and this is – and you and I kind of talked about this because I actually I, – I bought Laren in our fantasy auction league. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you and I have gone back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't <laughs> – I think what it comes down to for me is I'm waiting to see if his uh, mature, if he matures to a point to where he takes more shots. Because if he takes more shots, then you don't necessarily have to worry about his conversion, right? Uh, Absolutely. And I think that it comes down to also the service that's being provided to him. He was having to do, to do a lot on his own, right? So that that goes into some of of what he was doing and why it was, in my opinion, why it was influenced as high as what it was. So yeah, I, I think Kyle Laren being up there, I think that this year is going to be a really interesting year to see um, how he follows up such a high shot. Uh, shot comp- what are we calling it? Finishing percentage? I'm calling it shots on target conversion, but I don't know if shots it's got on a name. Target conversion? Would it? I need to write this so long as we, so long as we use the same uh, nomenclature I, I, to reference, you know, what we're talking about. That way we can. SOTC. Kind of, Suck. <laughs> the bottom line, I think, is that Obafemi Martins um, leaving leaving MLS and leaving the Sounders specifically is is a detriment to the club. And while that makes um, Ziggy Schmidt's, you know, lineup choice is a little bit more easier, um, for lack of better English. Uh, it justifies the 4-3-3 now. The 4-3-3 to me was mind-bogglingly stupid because I was just like, this tears away the great 4-4. I disagree. But the, to Dempsey Link, Dempsey Martin's Link, that that was the entire engine of that of that offense for years, and then well, two years. But I, well, I think I see. I I I think. I think Dempsey's far more flexible than what you give him credit for. I'm not, I, I'm not saying that. I think that it would have had an effect because they would have had to re that relationship would have had to uh, they would have had to like find a new way of doing things because he would have had to start slipping in more. It wouldn't be as natural. It, not saying it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked as well. I think I think it would have worked just fine. I think, I think that it's the it's, dependency. It comes down of- to you had a brilliant machine that should probably should have won a cup. And then you decided, well, we haven't won a cup. We're changes. Like, why? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Martin's well, part, well, part of it is that you bring in two guys. And see, this is where, where it comes into, you know, Bruce Arena and Siggy Schmidt's realm of they're really great man managers. And they're going to change the way they do things for the people and the pieces that they have at their disposal. And, and we can both, I, I think, validly argue Oh, you mean like when Bruce Arena put Geo at at forward and was very stubbornly never changed I knew it? You're gonna bring this season? up. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. No. I, I don't think that's what man management means. I think it's what managing egos. But go on. 
No, no. It, well, okay. That's that's fair. And, and I think that managing egos is what they do. That's why they got brought into those to those markets, right? Is they they could manage these high priced individuals, and they can put them in positions to where they can succeed. And I think that's ultimately the point of of them at those helms. Because I think one day when Bruce Arena becomes not the head coach of LA Galaxy, when Siggy Schmidt does not become the head coach of Seattle Sounders, those two franchises are ultimately going to go into Next year, because Bruce will retire and Siggy will get fired, but keep going. I don't think Siggy <laughs> will get fired. <laughs> he, yeah, you're right. He would have been fired by now <laughs> if, he was, if they were going to fire him. If, 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 well, I think that, uh, there's plenty of fans that would like to fire him. I, I, I will definitely concede that. I don't think that the the club will allow that to happen. I think that in some way they will, um, even if it even if it's because of performance reasons, I think that they'll find some way to uh, make friends and publicly go into a different direction. I'm not advocating. I just think that it's such a hot seat there. And it's been every single year. It's been like, is Ziggy going to get the axe? Is Ziggy going to, oh, Jason Christ is on the market. Ziggy's going to get the axe, isn't he? And then it never happened. So <laughs> I just thought it would be a funny joke. It was a joke, Harrison. I don't do jokes. That's I'm, I'm in the I'm in the IT profession. I have no personality. Don't you know this? <laughs> right. No personality that we're aware of. <laughs> so um looking at our our auction league as it as it comes the auction draft is coming to an end we have a couple of different leagues that are that are sprouting out as uh as kind of our opposites um not opposites but uh and, and not even rival leagues they're just kind of there's they're taken out from Co- underneath copycat copycat is what i don't are. i mean think that's nice i think i think it's kind of cool that we started something that other people are like that's cool. I want to do that ourselves. And, did you know? Did you today? The MLS Fantasy opened up for the the main website, and I created my team. And I noticed I, something. I, I have I have too much going on with fantasy. I, I I don't have time to do that. I noticed something. They changed their cap to be like to be something low. So now it's like one hundred fifty dollars, and they adjust player values. But I'm just like. So hmm, that's interesting. So we have player values. We have our player values at three hundred dollars, right? Like that's our our cap. Plus, we, there's a fifty dollar um, TAM for incoming players into the league when in the mid season, right? In July first, we we provide TAM to all clubs. Um, that's what Man, I'm going to sell mine immediately. <laughs> right? You've already been advocating it in our Slack channel. I know. <laughs> I, I um, don't value it. I don't just don't. <laughs> So it was $300 and my wife asked me this last night, you know, she's almost as active in in running my team as I am. So it was, oh, it's interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, we we've we've talked a lot about this. Um so was $300 the proper amount? Would people have have made the proper corrections had we made this $100? Oh, I think values would have just changed. I, I think everyone, the values would have scaled down. Um, right. You, well, we say that, and, and it's fun to say, you know. I wouldn't yeah, have spent every, half my markets. budget on Robbie Keane. For I, I spent fifty dollars on Robbie Keane. If it were a hundred dollar league, I would not have spent fifty dollars on Robbie Keane. No, sure, sure, <laughs> sure. But the 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 margin for error 
becomes way different, right? So like all of a sudden you can spend, not worry about spending $5 versus $10 on a player, right? Especially on the early rounds where we even saw a couple people get a little bit more liberal with, you know, with, with money as you saw some idiot spent. Oh, Jordan Morris. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to, dang it, you beat me to it. Yeah, you <laughs> spent $26 on Jordan Morris. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who that is. I. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What a chump. What an idiot. Uh, <laughs> so I, I remember he was just sitting there in the Slack channel trying to justify it. He was just like, I think it's going to get a lot of, he's a, he's a young player. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. You know, he's got a great team built around him. I think this is a smart pick. I'm still in the future. I was just, I'm just like, my answer every time is chump, chump, chump. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll see. We'll see. You know what? You say that. We'll see. Um, but the margin for error becomes way more small when it becomes a hundred dollars, right? Um, $5 isn't the same as $5 being spent now with, with $300. I mean, we've had $300 to go through them. The average price of players, it, it has obviously scaled um, as, as teams whittle away their, their cap. Um, mm-hmm. I think I am number two right now in our league with, with uh, $31. Maybe. Yeah, you're cheap. you're really cheap bastard in this league. And it's really pissing I have out. yet to play. I have yet to pay for over thirty dollars for one individual. Really? Oh my goodness, that is ridiculous. That Pedro Morales, I think, is 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 the highest. Um, is my like highest 29? purchase at twenty nine. Yeah. So, uh, so here's the thing that I think I have no problem with the cap. My issue is I don't think we have enough teams. I, think I disagree. I saw you put that in the Slack. I disagree. Let me present the argument here. I think All right, go, go at we've it. gotten down to a point where we've got some really good players going in these late rounds, going for way undervalued. These oh, players yeah. would have these players would have gone earlier. Yeah, but so here's, here's here's my I, problem I think with that, that it changes player value in the market by not having by allowing someone to just sit on money the entire auction and then still have a good enough player pool in the end. To just buy cheaply, and I yeah, don't think see, that's entirely fair. I'm sure it's a strategy, but it's not entirely fair to the players who, because if everyone were to employ the strategy, then no one would spend money. Well, and I think part of that is that people should have saved saved some of their money. There was not everyone, but if there was multiple. Put, but you even admit, and you even said it, there was multiple occasions where people overspent for talent, and that's coming back to bite people. Oh, and you, you especially, Mister eighteen or seventeen dollars for a goalkeeper. Oh, it hasn't, it hasn't been me at all. My team is not only have yeah, I, but my you team, know what? If I you pay five dollars for Luis Robles, that's way different than paying four. I mean, it's sure, we have this well, argument of Robles versus Sean Johnson, and, and yeah, okay. So the Red Bulls. Bye. I'm not going to defend it. I made a grave error in that I position adjusted. I position adjusted my player values. Now position adjusting that keeper when ner- when the points are nerfed did not make sense. I should have done straight point value for keepers. My mistake on that one, completely own it. I also overspent for Will Trap. That's only because I think he's Bay. I couldn't. I cannot. Yeah, yeah. I, I I have my right arm up. I totally give Will Trap. I was not gonna bring up Will Trap in this in this forum. I was just like, look, Will Trap is. I cannot stand to see Bay on another team. They won't treat him right. So uh, he had to come to my team. Though uh, I still I defend I still defend my Robbie Keane pick. 
I spent a little bit too much for Cole. Um, I thought at the time it was a good bench value. Other than that, I'm absolutely fine with every value I spent. So um, here's here's my question to you, right? For these two other leagues that have gotten our uh, who have gotten our information and they're they're starting up their auction drafts, what is you what is your uh, piece of advice to them? Pay us royalty fees because this league is gonna be super fun and you owe it all to us. <laughs> send that send that check to um, American Soccer Analysis. I don't know what our address is. We don't. I, I I think it's currently my address, but uh, we'll keep that away from the from the listeners because hate mail. Um, we have way more. We have so much hate. It's not even like I'm surprised. We I, have I hate like Twitter account. There's analysis devolved. That guy's a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that, and then there's the redditors that just completely. Uh, Man, we had like Philadelphia Union just went off on us one one week that just we had talked about it and I think we just butchered a bunch of their names and they just hated us. That was on us though. That was totally on us for not knowing the names of the people. Here's the well, thing, and I've I was in a Philadelphia I was in a chat room for a YouTube chat room at a in a Philadelphia Union. Oh, home. here here we go. YouTube chat room. This ought to be good. So I was and I was totally just laying into the Union um front office in this chat and which is people were completely so completely warranted completely warranted first off so defensive people were saying things like chris pontius is a is an all-star if healthy someone said that <laughs> someone said alberg is going to light up the league i don't think i mean i haven't seen enough of him his stats from other leagues certainly don't suggest that um people i, I defending think defending the mike a, a trade uh, I think like, having cautious cautious optimism towards uh, towards Pontius is fair. Having cautious optimism towards Barnetta is fair. But to be, I mean, let's let's be realistic here. Like at this point in time, this talent level, this team is is shooting for sixth at best. I mean, CJ Sapong, who both you and I like, you and I both like this young man. But neither of us are sold on him. And it's not like Philadelphia was like, okay, well, if he doesn't work out, here's somebody else we can. They didn't do anything. They also, if you look at the amount of shots cre- creation that they that they gave up in Maidana, and then their response is, well, let's go get Chris Pontius at a price of $400,000. <laughs> and then we're going to go out and spend TAM, which means they probably spent like six hundred k on um, this Albert guy who the stats just aren't there to justify this amount of money. It's just like, it would have been fine. If it was like, it was, well, would have been fine. But I mean, admit it with me. It would have been fine if it was a low risk move. Right. But here's the thing that everyone would say, well, they changed to a new system and that system is going to yield better results. It's just like, look, I've studied the press in MLS with shots against studies and stuff like this. It might, it might, uh, uh, it depends on their new defender. How, And that's what what we moved them towards, right? When we did our model front office that we haven't completed, but that's what we moved them towards was the press. We did one thing that was very different because we're smart and Philadelphia's not. Every press team in MLS that's done well, which is pretty much all of them, they did it with a playmaker. Yes. So Diego Valeri was the driving force of the 2013 pressing Portland Timbers. 2012... Uh, SKC had a huge problem in goal creation. They rode a defense for a while. That was because they were such a, I think they were like 10 to 1 cross to through ball ratio 
three to one is like normal. Most teams are at three to one, four to one tops. That team had problems scoring goals because of that. All of a sudden they get Benny Failhaber. That team becomes incredibly dangerous. Sasha Kleshin and uh, and Lloyd Sam together in uh, New York, the other the third great pressing team of the modern era. Yes. All of them have a playmaker. Now, they're just like, well, we're going to move to that system. Like, you don't have a playmaker. You traded like, it. it, it you, <laughs> let, let me, let's let's, let's re- rewind real fast. New York and Sasha Kleschen, one of the most underrated players right now in MLS. Oh, yeah. I know everybody likes to, like, tout underrated players. Sasha Kleschen, so very good in New York system right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that team is very well put together. And they oh, I don't it, know how, how purposeful it was, but it was it's so well built. Um. We'll see what they can do without Miazga, but yeah, it was they were so well fit for that four four two three one uh pressing system that they're doing. Um I really enjoy that. That's what we moved Philadelphia to, because I thought we I think Mike Don is a good analog to Clash. I agree. Uh and I think once we brought in a wing striker, the other thing that I mean I don't think Pontius is really a wing striker. Really, he's close, but not really. Uh we brought in Biro Biro, someone who was bought by China. Right. Uh, right. Early, but, early on, it before before China became like the the anti thesis to all that is MLS. Um, well, yeah. Well, they well they bought him as a part of this. It was just one of the first ones. Right, By the way, exactly. Also, the other um another one of my big scouting, uh, someone I was looking at bringing in, Neri Dominguez, was bought by Mexico. So two of my two of my scouts were were vindicated. I just want to put that out there. All right, back to what I was saying. <laughs> Philadelphia. Uh, just doesn't have that, so they're they're gonna just cross a lot. And if this is a team that I will be very shocked if they get under five to one cross the three ball ratio. And if you're not, I mean, I, that's pretty much where I set a good team, like a a team that sustainably creates shots, to a team that is just asking for trouble. And Philadelphia's gonna be over that because it's a four three three without a playmaker. And Alberg very wing heavy. Pontius is gonna be have similar troubles. They don't really have an inside player. Well, and, and it's a, and let's, it's let's a look real at the, problem. It's just you, not going to work. Yeah, but you looked at the past your, your three defenses. The, the past three defenses that we, we decided three great pressing teams, right? Portland, uh, Sporting, and New York all had great defenses. I mean, they had great central defenders, and they, they had, had aerial presence. Keepers. You need an aerial presence, yeah. So that, that they would have be, um, no aerial. I mean, that was something that we talked about with David Horse. Uh, they had to go get David Horse, or they had to go get somebody yeah, undervalued because of this, right? It, and yeah. I had like Batista or whatever the guy was pushing in Brazil, who, who wins like seventy percent of aerials. But we thought it was too much. It would be too unrealistic to bring to our team because we did want to keep it. Um, within the realm of possibility. Exactly, exactly, uh, and, and that was that was our that was the shortcoming that you and I had between trying to go and and get them. But I mean, Ike Opara or Aurelian Collin, or you look at um, for Portland, they had a year of uh, Padmuka or uh, exactly, had, and then uh, Alave, Lee uh, Ridgewell. Um, you, yeah, you go back to New York Orchard and Miazga. Miazga, as much as people want to talk about his defense, his ability to win aerial challenges was, bro, it was really good. It was only like, 
it's it's overstated. He won a lot, but he also but it was basically because they forced a lot. The percentage wise, he was above average, but not brilliant. He got a lot better as the season went on. I, at one point, he was like at barely above fifty, and that was when I was criticizing it. And then I kind of had to eat my words because by the end he was at like sixty, but right. he still was not at Chad Marshall levels. Like Chad Marshall, but, but that's fair. But you're talking you're talking about a twenty year old versus oh, sure. Chad yeah, Marshall, sure. who, who's who's been doing this for a decade. Sure. I mean, think about that. That's what's that's what's uncanny. Well, absolutely. I'm 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 I was kind of hating myself a bit. Like I, it's definitely something you need because when you press the ball, you're gonna force long balls. And if you force long balls, you need people who can win the ball in the air. We'll see what that new Brazilian defender they have, if that can do it. But even if that works, that back line is still not. Yeah, they had a I mean, to go get Brandon I think, Vincent. I think we can both and, agree. Uh, New York Red Bulls are and The Red also, Bulls are going to take a step back. Who? Red Bulls? Yes. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's, it's the East. Whatever. I mean, the, the Eastern Conference team that made it to the final last year won't even qualified in the West, so whatever. <laughs> Second division, man. Oh, shit. I, st- I still maintain that. I know that we already had this argument. The Columbus crew would not have beaten SKC last year in a single table. It just would not have happened. Any hoozle. You're going to get hate mail, and you know what? I'm going to give it all to you. That was Sean Steffen with his take on the Eastern Conference, folks. Yeah, Sean at SeanCStefan at gmail.com. Send it directly to me. I will respond to you and tell you what an idiot you are for thinking that Columbus was that good. Sorry. Just sorry. I will, I will, br- I will bring out the spreadsheets. I will write you an essay. I have that kind of time on my hands. <laughs> I'm here to educate. Well, you have that time for now. Hopefully, you know, in, in, yeah, you have a couple opportunities set in before you. We'll, we'll, we'll not to bring, not to air your laundry out uh, on listeners' time and everything, but you have a couple of very, uh, very promising opportunities set before you. So, um, and my, my, my Carlos Trifunal, uh for for those Seattle fans, my Carlos Trifunal, um, former pro- Mariners shortstop prospect, uh, baseball just got dropped. So I know. Uh, that th- there you go mention right there um I just, well i just got a text that my adopted nephew who i play soccer with a lot uh rabona the kid rabona rabona net nutmeg the kid in practice today and you know who taught him how to rabona me so <laughs> i'm a jack of all trades the scouting the the analytics the teaching a five-year-old my, my son my son has his first <laughs> soccer practice First soccer practice tomorrow. I'm excited. I'm pretty stoked. You if I wasn't going to, the, I had. I'm taking my father-in-law to the Sounders game tomorrow. So for his birthday, and uh, watch Club America trounce them. So that just should be fun. To, teach, just make him play futsal all the time, because that's what good developed countries do. They don't even like Barcelona doesn't even and uh, Ajax don't even let you play soccer until you're like you're 10 or something. Like you just play futsal. Just make him learn Rabonas and dumb things that have no practical measure because he'll, then he'll be amazing with the ball at his feet. <laughs> have a good soccer country. I'm serious, like, this is a, it's not a joke. Like, futsal is the gateway to good soccer. So teach your kids ridiculous, gaudy tricks, parents out there. Like, l- let them be showboats. It really does help. It really does. All right. Uh, Mr. Stefan said goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. I'm Harrison Crow. Thanks for tuning in and listening. I hope you give us uh, good reviews on iTunes. Go out to uh, Stitcher, give us reviews. 
Uh, you can click on our Amazon bat, uh, banners there on AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. Otherwise, we have any reviews that aren't us, by the way, because I know I did a, a review of us where I r- raved about myself. But and I saw that I think a, a review that looked suspiciously like Drew. Do we have any real reviews? No, I don't think so. Not at all. Okay, so guys, if you like us, just please review us because I think that helps the algorithm or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it totally does. So uh, yeah. But uh, until then, uh, I'm Federico Higuain, Harrison Crow, and uh, you guys stay classy out there. Shut your face, high school jerks. We're about to show you how this works. Are we cool? Laser beams. We're about. of computer we'll say a cyborg pimp from the future and i'm going deaf for cheesy i'm feeling a bit uneasy let's get this straight oh yeah we are the champions we'll be Rock. We're hip hopping and we can't quite stop. Agro hair, grizzly bear. Bet you never met a thousand Then you'll say whatever. I think you're moronic. And we'll say, not really, we're only bionic. And you're still in high school, but have to acknowledge that we are professional. Battle dancing unicorn